0: Often here in the church, we, we come here on Sunday morning, we, we rush to get in here, but but we're very careful to leave our problems at the door and to not bring our problems in with us. But this is the church, as, as the body of the Christ is the place for that. This is the place to bring stuff and put it on the throne before God, because God has come to save us and rescue us and redeem us from ourselves. Let's pray. God, it's only you. You alone can save us, and you save us from ourselves. God, we need you. We need your son, Jesus Christ. You have come to give life and life to the fullest, and it's only by knowing you as Lord and Savior and living by grace through faith that we can be saved, that we can have salvation, eternal life, and what a gift it is. Thanks, God. You're great, worthy to be praised, amen. Grab your Bible and open up to Titus chapter 3. If you don't have a Bible, maybe you forgot to bring one this morning, we've got some people going up the aisles, they'd love to give you a copy this morning. Titus chapter 3. This morning, as the first word of the text is going to tell us, is is to be a reminder. This morning is all about a reminder and, and there's just times in life you just need a good reminder. I live by reminders. I love sticky notes. But this isn't just a checklist of of things to get done. This isn't just a a fill in the box and get it done. This this reminder today is something, as the text says, is is excellent, is is profitable for all people. What we're looking at today, this, this reminder has value. It's an important reminder. The reminder is this. As a Christian, as a follower of Christ are you living out your faith in public? The reminder is, are you living out your faith in what you believe? Are you living out God's grace in public? Titus chapter one, we looked at full throttle leadership. We saw elders in the church and and the leaders in the church. And then in chapter two, we saw these multi-generational families. We saw older men and women training and teaching the younger men and women. We saw the, the men and women who are all about the integrity of their family and their marriage and the home, making the home a high priority. We even saw the workplace, and, and we saw in Chapter 2 slaves being obedient to, to the authority of, of their masters. But now in Chapter 3, we're, we're getting outside of the church. We're, we're taking a step outside of the Christian home and family. We're going one step further than the workplace. Here in chapter 3, there's been a transition. And here in chapter 3, we're talking about public. We're talking about society, our general culture, being a full-throttle Christian in public. So as we get to the text today, we've, we've got to see that there's been a shift. The shift from chapters 1 and 2 was, was how to live as a Christian with other Christians. But now in chapter 3, it's how to live as a Christian with non-Christians. So in our text this morning, we're going to be talking about a little bit culture and in the public and society. Well, what was the culture like when this was written? When the book, was, book of Titus was written, uh, what was the, the general community like? What was the, the culture like? What, what was society like in the first century when this was written? Well, not Titus, but there was a man named Tacitus Tacitus, he was a Roman historian. He was a non Christian Roman historian. He wasn't biased. Tacitus wrote this description about Rome. He said that everything that is evil slides into the receptacle of Rome. Tacitus said that everything that is evil, immoral, secular, pagan, godless slides into the receptacle. The trash can of Rome. In the first century, the great, Christ, uh, the great culture of the Roman Empire, the, the city of Rome was like a, a dumpster of evil, a trash can of filth. Homosexuality was considered noble. Prostitution was everywhere. Abortion was legal. Here in the, the Roman Empire, the, the culture of the day there were huge moral social ethical problems there was human trafficking where men women children could be sold at the marketplace like they were nothing for fun for entertainment on a saturday afternoon that meant going to the roman colosseum and watching the gladiators it meant watching the fight to the death between gladiators and slaves and wild animals that's what was fun The Roman culture was was evil. Everything that is evil slides into the the trash can of Rome. The cities were overcrowded. There weren't sewer systems, so the cities smelled. There was trash and garbage just littering the streets. This led to, to sicknesses and diseases and plagues, infestation. It was a terrible time. There was an incredible injustice and disparity between the social classes, the rich, on, on one hand, they were, they were mega rich. And they took power. They took a, advantage of their position and their power and they, they lorded it over the, the poor. The poor, they were oppressed. They meant nothing. They were just pushed outside of community. The, the widows, the orphans, the, the marginalized, they were just shoved to the outskirts of, of culture. Nobody cared about them, nobody looked out for them. Who cares? Dog eat dog world. This was a, a terrible time. So, so in our text today, it's not just how to be a Christian with non-Christians. Our text is really driving at how to be a Christian with a completely un-Christian culture. How do you live out your faith? How, how do you be a follower of Christ in a, in a culture that's evil, in a trash can of filth, in a society that's just wicked and terrible? How do you do it? How do you live as a Christian in this kind of society? Titus chapter one. Titus chapter three, verse one. Titus says, remind them. This is our reminder to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. Here in in Titus, this this reminder that Paul is, is telling Titus is, Be obedient. Place yourself under the authority, the leadership of of the civil governors, of the government, of the laws. This word for authorities is is the same word that's used in uh, Luke 20 when Roman officials, when when Caesar's uh, army of of governing officials came to Christ. This this word for authorities is the same word used in uh, Romans 13 by the Apostle Paul. When, when Paul says that as Christians, it's our civil duty to, to be respectful, to be submissive, to be obedient to the government and to the rulers and the authorities. Because these government rulers and authorities, they have been placed in this position of power by God. And so because of our relationship with God, we need to respect and obey and submit to these rulers. And if we don't, We're actually rebelling and resisting God. Now, this isn't saying that that we have to agree with every state policy or we don't have to agree with every act of government. And the Bible even talks about there are certain circumstances where, as a Christian, if something is in contrast to what the Bible says, that it is our stand to stand against the government. But for our text today, the overall thought is this attitude of obedience and submission and, and listening and respecting the governing authorities, these, these rulers, the, the government, the laws that have been made in the land. Had to be hard for, for the Christians in the first century. Had to be hard here in the, the island of Crete. This island of Crete was, was just a small little Mediterranean island. It was engulfed in the The Roman Empire. Rome came in. They they took command. They took charge. They they took over this small little island. The island lost its rights, lost its freedom. It just became another one of the the Roman provinces. Rome had a a corrupt government. They were completely unfair. They had outrageously high taxes. So much was wrong with the Roman government. And so for here, these, these Christians on the island of Crete, what are they supposed to do? They're supposed to be submissive. Be obedient. Be respectful. Obey the laws. Obey the rules. Follow the leaders. That, it does not sound like an easy task for these Christians, especially in a, a culture that is, that is unchristian. Paul is saying, here's a reminder, don't be resistant. Don't be rebellious. Don't revolt against the government because if you are, you're revolting against God. Be ready for every good work. Be somebody who's, who's contributing positively to society. So why was it such a big deal for these, these Christians to, to basically be good citizens? Why was it such a big deal for these Christians to, to submit and to obey and, and to pay their taxes and, and to give respect and honor? Why, why did they need to do this? Well, in the first century, in the, in the culture of, of uh, the Roman Empire, Christians did not have a good reputation people were were suspicious of this Christian movement. It started as just a few of the disciples in Jerusalem and then spread out over time. But at the beginning, people were suspicious of these Christians they didn 't have a church and so they met in private houses behind closed doors and so people wondered, what goes on? What is this this new Christians What are these people doing They're those people who who don't go to the gladiator games, these, these people who oppose abortion, these people who are against homosexuality. What, what's with those Christians? Who, who are those people? What, what, what's their deal? People were suspicious. They were, uh, they were watching these, these early Christians. In the first century, uh, Christians, they were actually known, and there were rumors that they were cannibals. In communion, the Christians ate, the body and the blood of Jesus Christ. But that's all symbolic, the cup and the wine, the grape juice, symbolic of the body and the blood of Jesus. But in the first century, when people heard Christians taking communion and they literally thought that these Christians ate the body and blood of Jesus, they thought they were cannibals. In the first century, where everybody had, had pagan gods and statues, the Christians didn't. Second Commandments have no carved, no graven images of God. And so in a culture that every religion had its own little statues and pagan little god and goddesses, the Christians didn't. They didn't have a statue. And so the culture thought these Christians were atheists. They thought they were also involved in incest because the Bible talks about Christians as men and women in Christ who love one another and greet each other with a holy kiss. We see that in Romans and Corinthians and Thessalonians. And so in culture, there's these rumors, there's these lies, there's this gossip going around about these suspicious Christians, these, these people who, who oppose the social and cultural evils, these, these Christians who, who are different. They're noticeably different. They're not like the average Joe here in the Roman Empire. These, these Christians are, are a different people. So there were rumors, there were lies, there were suspicions going around about these people. You know, I'm guessing if, if there were rumors being spread about you that, that maybe you were a cannibal, probably be some people watching you in public, right? I'm guessing it wouldn't take too long for the civil authorities, the, the rulers, to be knocking on your door. But that's the point. See, these Christians are being watched in public. People were suspicious of them. It was a new movement. People didn't understand. There were rumors being spread about them in the day. And so now with this platform out in public, these early Christians had the amazing opportunity to live out their faith. So what does the the text say? What, uh, What is our response? What should our life be like in public? Titus chapter three, verses one and two. Be submissive. Be obedient. Be ready for every good work. Verse two. Speak evil of no one. That would have been hard. Avoid quarrelling. Can you imagine this? There's these rumors being spread about you. You want to stand up. You want to defend yourself. You want to clear your name from all of this. And, and it says, don't quarrel. Don't get in an argument. Don't be, don't be debating. Don't be fighting over these issues. It says, be gentle. Show perfect courtesy towards all people. Be kind. This is this is amazing to be thinking about this, where the apostle Paul, he's, he's seen this. Paul has seen the evil of, of the Roman Empire. He's seen the worldliness. He's seen the wickedness. He's, he's seen this trash can of filth, just a society that is completely pagan, immoral, godless. And so Paul, in writing this to Titus, knowing the world, says, Titus, It's not about building a Christian compound and and putting up high walls to protect yourself from the world because the world is evil and and you might be polluted by sin and and you don't want to be too close to the world. It's not about hunkering down in the basement and and having a little holy huddle in church and, and protecting yourself. No, Titus is saying... opposite. He's saying it's out in the world, it's out in the society that does not fear God, that you as Christians have this amazing opportunity to live out your faith. It's just as the grace of God appeared in Jesus Christ as visible, as living grace, Christians now We have the opportunity in in community, in public, in society to be living out our faith, to be that visible and living grace of God to other people. Paul's not saying hunker down and hide from the world. He's saying live it out, stand up, be seen, show yourself as a Christian to the world. Certainly, Christians are called to not be of the world, but we're called to be in the world and living our faith. And so here in this this passage, in in a time where it was completely pagan and secular, totally unchristian society, these Christians have a high calling of living out their faith. See the apostle Paul, he was many things. Paul was a, a teacher, he was a pastor, a traveling evangelist. Paul was a mentor, he made disciples, Paul was a lot of things. But more than anything else, Paul was a missionary. And so it's from this missionary mindset of living in the world and seeing the world that Paul says, be a visible Christian. That you, the Christian community, you, the church, the followers of Christ, be a visible Christian. In the world, in society, in public, in community, live out your faith. Extend that grace of God. It's by your good works, it's by your good words that you can be this witness in an unbelieving world. But that's not always easy. Living out our faith is not always easy. It can be hard to be this visible Christian in an unchristian world, whether it's with the state, the government, the rulers, or, or maybe it's the neighborhood, the community, your, your cul-de-sac, your neighbors it's in the apartment, it can be hard to be living out your faith, to be this, this visible Christian. It was a challenge for the disciples, for the apostles. It was hard for Christ himself to be a Christian. He was despised, rejected, beaten, betrayed, killed. And so for us, yeah, it can be hard to be a Christian. It can be hard to be living out our, our faith in, in public because we're supposed to be living like verse 2. We're supposed to be submissive and obedient. We're supposed to be ready for every good work. We're supposed to not speak evil about people. We're supposed to not, uh, we're, uh, we're supposed to not quarrel. We're supposed to be gentle. We're supposed to show perfect courtesy. But we have to do this with people like verse 3, people who are, are foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our day in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. In public, in society, living out your faith as a visible Christian can be hard because you got to do it with people who are disobedient, people who are foolish, people who may even hate you. But look at the beginning of verse 3 we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient. We ourselves were like that. We ourselves were these ungodly pagan. We ourselves were these immoral people. And so as we're living out our faith, yeah, it can be hard, but don't forget, don't be critical. Don't be judgmental because you yourself were once like that. I think for us as a church, it's It's a temptation to be judgmental, but we've got to resist it. The church followers of Christ are not the people to be critical, to be judging people who are not saved because we were just like that. We ourselves were were foolish. This, This means we lacked spiritual understanding. We lacked biblical understanding. There was a time in our life when the Bible didn't make sense. The death of of Jesus, his resurrection, really? The the miracle stories, those are just for kids, right? There was a time the Bible did not make sense. There was a time before Christ, we were disobedient. This isn't just talking about being rebellious. This is talking about being enemies of God. There was a time when we were the enemy of God, a, a time where we were led astray, We all want purpose. We all want meaning. We all want fulfillment in life. But without God, without Christ in our life, we will be led astray, following our little heart's desire, listening with our itching ears for what we want to hear, what we want to do, how we want to live. We've been led astray without God in our life. We're all slaves to passions, pleasures. We could be a slave to a hobby, we could be a slave to an addiction. We could be a slave to a career, or money. we could be slaves to anything, but without Christ, we're a slave to something. We lived in in malice and envy. We lived in envy. Without Christ, we're going to become jealous people. We're going to be left unfulfilled. We're going to be empty. We're going to be wanting more. Without God in our life, there's going to be a void. There's more to the world than just myself. So without God, we're going to be left in malice longing, and searching, empty. We're going to be hated by others, hating one another. Sin is destructive. It tears apart families. It destroys relationships. It breaks up marriages. Sin is destructive. And sin is going to lead you to be hating others, to be hated by other people. We've all been there. Christians, non-Christians, the apostle Paul who's writing this, straight up pagans in the Roman Empire, we've all shared this common time in our life where we were foolish and disobedient, led astray, verse four, but, but when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Verse five, he saved us not because of our works done by us in righteousness. Yes, we should be living out our faith. We should be doing good works. We should be saying good things, saying good words. We should be that witness, but we're not saved by our works. We're not saved by what we do. We are saved according to his own mercy by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. Verse 6, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Verse 7, so that being justified, being declared not guilty of our sin, being justified by his grace, we might become heirs, children. We might become the children, the, the hope of eternal life. We all have a time in our life when we were foolish and disobedient, when we hated others, when we were hated, when we were an enemy of God. But God, but God appeared in Jesus Christ. And we had this problem of sin and wickedness and rebellion, but God. But God, through his provision of his son, his one and only son, Jesus Christ Christ made a way. And so it's through Christ and, and Christ's death on the cross that now man who was lost, separated from God, now has an opportunity to come near to God to be saved by God's mercy, this idea of, of being washed by the Holy Spirit, this idea of, of, uh, of, of washing, of, of cleansing, of, of removing all of our guilt, all of our, all of our sin, all of the junk in our life. The word regeneration literally means new genesis. The Spirit, at the moment of, of our salvation, the Spirit makes us a person with a new beginning, a person who is spiritually born again as a cleansed follower of Christ, a person who becomes the child of God. God does so much in our life in the moment that we come to God, in that time where we have a but God moment in our life. Verse 8, this saying is trustworthy. And I want to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. You as a church, us, the call is to be careful. The call is a reminder. Are you devoting yourself to good works? Are you devoting yourself to to good words? Are you devoting yourself to be this good witness to the unbelieving, immoral, godless society? As a Christian, our our call is to be living out our faith as a visible Christian with non-Christians because it's certainly not all about us and our little holy huddle. It's about extending the grace of God. Just as God came to us and saved us by his mercy, he is the visible, the, the living God. And so we're supposed to be that visible, that living God to other people and to be saving other people by our good works, by our witness, by encouraging people along in their pursuit of Christ. And it says in verse 8 these things, these things we've been talking about this morning, this this reminder of, of good works, of good words, of a good witness, these things are excellent, they're profitable for all people these things have value because we're talking about living out our faith extending the grace of god to other people it says an amazing value It has value to us what god has done for us god is the creator of the world but in genesis god calls us to be caretakers of the world And so it's as this caretaker, we go out in our community and we live out our faith as a visible Christian. We extend the grace of God to others. Just as we have once received it, we now extend it as a blessing to others. That's valuable. That's profitable. We can't save anybody ourselves, but we can point them towards Christ. So if we want to be a full throttle church that has full-throttle leaders, Titus chapter 1, that has full-throttle empty nesters and adults, pastors and workers, chapter 2. And if we want to be a full-throttle church in public, Titus chapter 3, we need to be living out our faith, extending the grace of God to others in the culture, the world that we live. So the question this morning, are you doing it? How are you living out your faith? Who's watching you? Maybe it's the home. Maybe it's the workplace. Maybe it's somewhere in Walmart. Who is watching you? Who, who are the people surrounding your life watching you? And what are you saying to them? What are you doing to them? What are your words? What are your works? How are you living before other people? Are you being critical? Are you being judgmental? You have that person you can't get along with. How's that going to save them? We live in a, a culture where, where sin is celebrated, a lot like the Roman Empire. We live in a culture where, where Christ has been taken off the throne, where God appears very small, where this next generation of believers throughout church history, the church has grown, the church has, has expanded because people have been living out their faith to their friends, to their family to their co-workers, to their community, before the government, before the rulers and authorities. And so for us, how are we living? Are we manifesting the presence of God that's alive within us, the Holy Spirit that's active within us? Are we manifesting that to others? Are we sharing it? Are we showing it? Are we living it? What's your life in culture? What's your life in in public? What's your life in, in the broader community, outside of the church, outside of the family. With the last couple minutes, I, I kind of want to walk through and maybe reshape how we think evangelism. Witnessing evangelism, it can be a scary word for a lot of people. It definitely can be overwhelming and intimidating, but it's actually really easy. Verse 3, we ourselves were, were once foolish. We lacked biblical understanding. We were disobedient, rebellious. We were the enemies of God, verse 3. We were unfulfilled, we were searching for, for longing and for purpose and for meaning in life, we were empty, there was a void within us, and we had a problem. The Bible calls this problem sin. One point in our life, we have all chose to sin. We have all rebelled against God, against God's word. We have all become an enemy of God. We have a problem. This problem is, is sin. Titus chapter 3 verses 4 and 6. But God, but God through his son Jesus Christ, his only special son, God made a provision and it's through Christ, the one who chose to not sin, the one who was sinless, died as a perfect sacrifice, as a substitute for all of us. And so it's through the provision of Christ, it's through his death on the cross, that this problem of sin has been answered, and there is now a provision to God. See, sin, the problem of sin separates us. It removes us from God. So God is over there, and we are standing here in the midst of our sin problem, but Christ bridges the gap and is the one who brings us to God. He's the one who restores and reconciles and and redeems us from ourselves and makes this relationship. And so now we can come to God. Verse 7, by God's grace, by God's mercy, one day when our life has ended and we're standing in the courtroom of God and God is the judge, God can announce you to be not guilty of your sins, not guilty of your your punishment, not guilty of your eternal death because by grace and through faith you believed in his son, Jesus Christ. And so there's this this promise that we can become the children of God, that we can receive the gift of eternal life, ultimately a gift saving us from ourselves. So in evangelism and witnessing, you would probably say something just like this. You could even use Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3, verse 3, or verses 4 and 6, verse 7, you've got this problem, but there's a provision, and now we've got this promise. But what if you have been witnessing to somebody? What if you've been doing this? What if you've been sharing this, but they just don't get it? They're, they're not hearing you. They, they don't understand. Maybe it's too confusing. Maybe it's too much. What if you've been sharing this gospel with somebody, but it's not going anywhere? Maybe they're not ready. See, in the church, we often approach people in public with our faith as if they were standing right here with us, that they're standing here in the problem of sin and they're looking over to the death of of Christ on the cross and and they see the provision and, and they look over and they can see God to the other side. Most people in the church are standing here and looking at this, but people outside of the church... People in the, the general public, people are way over here. People don't realize that they have a sin problem. People don't realize that this sin problem leads to death. People don't realize that, that God is over there and they are separated. They don't see Christ or they don't recognize the provision of Christ. They don't see God. They don't. You have to explain which God. Is it the God of the Bible, God of Allah or Buddha or the Dalai Lama? Which God are you talking about? People in public are, are way over here. They're not standing right over here seeing their sin, seeing their separation. They're way over here. They're removed. And so in evangelism, and so in, in sharing our faith with others, the church is over here, many are, are born again, spiritually born again, new people. Many are, are in the process of, of searching and coming to Christ. But the church is over here. And there's a disconnect because most of, of culture and society and public is somewhere else over here. And so, our responsibility as, as living out that grace of God is coming to these people. It means getting outside of the church, getting outside of the, the Christian community, and coming and approaching and seeing, meeting people where they're at. Maybe they're here and they've got questions, they've got questions of the Bible. Miracles? You know, Jesus rose from the dead. How's that possible? People are standing here, they've they've got issues with, with other Christians they've seen, people who are hypocritical or maybe they're judgmental. People are standing here and, and they need help. And so our job as as followers of Christ is to come to these people and to live out our faith. It's through our good words, it's through our good works. Titus chapter. Three, verses one and two, that we can share our faith with these people, that we can extend the grace of God to them. People in the church are, are usually here, but culture is going to be way over here, and, and there's there's a disconnect. You've got to bridge this. You've got to get outside of the church, come to people where they're at, share the grace of God. It's through our works, what we do, it's through our words, what we say. It's by our witness with these people we can help move them along in their pursuit of Christ. And so somewhere over here, you can come alongside somebody and meet them where they're at, and you can share your story. Share your story, verse 3, what your life was like before Christ. You were separated. You were just like them. Share your story of what life was like before Christ. And then verses 4, 5, and 6, share your life Share your story and your life of what it's been like since you've come to Christ. Evangelism is really simple. It's, it's going to people where they're at, no matter how unchristian, how secular, how immoral the culture or the people may be. It's going to people where they're at, sharing with them, engaging with them, helping them in their pursuit of Christ, following this line of salvation. And then one day, maybe they're here and they get it. You've lived it out before them. You've been able to to share your story of of how your life has changed with Christ. You've been able to to share your story of, of what life was like before Christ. You're able to live it out, be a visible grace of God to this person. And now this person is here, and they can see their sin. They see it's a problem. They understand the provision of Christ, and they want the promise of God. So as you're helping move people along, when they're standing here, share the gospel take them to God. Titus chapter three, verses four, five, and six. But God, but God has made a difference in this world. And so our responsibility in public with with non-Christians in an unchristian culture, it's through our good works, it's through our good witness, it's through our good words. It's by sharing our story, helping people move along in their understanding and faith in Jesus Christ. So for this morning, as, as we're closing, I'm not sure where, where you may be at. Some of you, most of you are probably here in the church, born again, spiritually new people. Well, our job is to go to others. Other people here, maybe you're searching, maybe you've got questions, maybe you're somewhere else along this line of salvation. Hey, glad that you're here. So glad that you're here. Be asking those questions. Be looking for help. This isn't a, a something you, you do on your own. This is something that you can do in community with the church. We're here for you. We want to help you. We want to engage in that relationship and, and help answer your questions. We want to share the love of Christ with you. Maybe you're, you're way back here and, and you're just, it's still too much. Well, I hope you're able to, to come into contact with some visible Christians, people who will share their faith, live out their faith, So for all of us, I I don't know where you're at in this this journey of salvation, along this line of salvation, but the deal is we want you to have a but God moment in your life. Well, there was a time where foolish and disobedient, the Bible didn't make sense. It's an enemy of God, and that's a problem. But through Jesus' son, there is a provision, and there's a promise of eternal life. And so the deal for this morning is have a but God moment changed me and saved me. By God's mercy, he chose me as his son. I'm not sure where you're at this morning. If you're in the church, be going to others. If you're somewhere else, be asking questions. As we end, we're going to have some, some people down here. And uh, Paul Cerniak, will you be down here? Marlon, will you help out? If you've got a question, I don't know where you're at this morning, but seek out one of these guys. Talk to one of us. Don't go home alone let's pray God we're just so thankful Lord for your grace for your incredible mercy Lord that saves that cleanses that renews us God you are calling us as your children we were enemies with you but now you are adopting us and receiving us as your very children amazing God So, this morning, may we be living out our faith to those who don't know you, being that visible Christian, extending that grace of God to others, not for ourselves, not for our own image, but God for your glory. Jesus' name, Amen. Well, let's stand.